Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am extremely pleased to welcome back to the podcast, great friend of the show, contributor for F This Movie, Adam Risky. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you, Dana? I'm doing good, man. We're recording on 4th of July, so happy 4th to you. Thanks. You you as well. Absolutely. So uh, for me, I have a 4th of July tradition. So a little later on today, I will watch Jaws. I've watched it every 4th of July going back at least until the 90s. Are there any 4th of July traditions that you continue? Um, no, not really. I mean, I kind of alternate um, 4th of July kind of centric movies. So some years it's Jaws, some years it's Independence Day. Um Tomorrow or t- today, I'm going to watch the Tomorrow War for the first time. So hopefully that fills that niche. niche. But um, if if it stinks, then I'll go right to Independence Day to salvage my day. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Speaking of the Tomorrow War, which I have not watched yet either, even though I do have Amazon Prime. I don't know for a fact, but this strikes me as a movie that was probably initially uh, created for a you know a big theatrical summer release, and then I don't want to use the term dumped on Amazon because Amazon paid a lot of money for this. But there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of buzz around this film. Are you surprised by that? Um, yes and no. So this was one of the Paramount Pictures kind of uh, dump releases because. Um, they did this with Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, which came out a couple of months ago. The the J- John uh, – I forgot what his name was. John Clark. It's not Jack Ryan, but it's in that universe. Uh, Rainbow Six um, spy thriller starring Michael B. Jordan. And yeah, for some reason, um, Paramount, even though they have their own streaming service, sold like all their movies during the pandemic to – Amazon, so their prime releases. So yeah, this was supposed to be like I think it was supposed to come out in theaters last year at some point, and then they pushed it back to the July fourth holiday this year. And then a couple months ago they announced that it was going straight to Amazon as opposed to being released in theaters. And it's kind of a bummer because like even if it's not that great, I still would rather see you know a big dumb chris pratt action movie in a theater than i would like sitting at home so it's it's crazy the shift that chris pratt has made from you know comedic actor to leading man action star you know i like chris pratt for you know i've never met him but by all accounts he's a he's a terrific person so you know i plan on watching this will probably be something i watch tomorrow yeah well it's the perfect time to watch it exactly perfect yeah so I wanted to have you back on the show because, uh, you know, over the past few years, you have sort of been my go-to person for movie recommendations. I, I always know that I can count on you to to lead me in the right direction on what films I should or in some cases shouldn't watch. And before we get to the list that you've compiled for this episode, I know you were recently on a trip to Los Angeles, and I, I'd love to hear a little bit about your time out there. Listeners will know that I've, I've talked a few times about uh, I went out there last year. I was there uh, a week before the world shut down. I got to experience L.A., which, from what I understand, is a is is vastly different now. And so, my first question is: When were you there, and how was sort of the vibe of the city when you're there? Because it's not your first time there, correct? Uh, no, no, I go there about once a year. So, yeah. Um, but this was my first time post pandemic. I hadn't been there prior to that for. I think like it was September of 2019, the last time I was there previously. 
So um, what I noticed was, so I live in the Chicagoland area, and I'd say us in the Midwest were maybe about a month ahead of where L.A. was when I was there. And I was there at the beginning of June. Um, so everybody was still wearing masks, um, even if it was like just out on the street, which was kind of encouraging because, you know, when I was traveling, I was, I was a little self-conscious about, you know, going maskless as I would be in most locations in Illinois at this point. Um, but, uh, yeah, when I was flying, you know, everybody was masked up when I was in movie theaters, everybody was wearing a mask. Um, when I was at Universal Studios going on rides, everybody was wearing a mask. So they're they're really good about social distancing and following that policy and, and whatnot. And they had plenty of like hand sanitizer up everywhere. Um, some of the stuff was kind of slowly coming back. So, for instance, when I went to um, the Chinese theater on Hollywood Boulevard and I saw um, I saw The Conjuring 3 and that theater typically like is really open and you can look at the exhibits and like, and everything like that. But this time it was like kind of, they were prohibiting you from entering the theater much very early. So you had to kind of wait and then you had to get your temperature checked. And then the, the menu at the concession stand was limited to like popcorn, soda, candy. And that was it. You couldn't order any other type of food. So um, the, a, another theater I went to, um, the one that's owned by Quentin Tarantino called the New Beverly Cinema. It was at like 50% capacity for a theater that seats about 250 people. So you had room to spread out and everything like that. So, um, yeah, it was it was a bit different, but you could tell. You know, people were taking it seriously, still being cautious, and it was slowly moving in the direction of normalcy. A couple things I want to talk to you about. Um, when I was there, that was it was my first time there. So some of the things that I really wanted to see was, you know, the Chinese theater. I wanted to be on Hollywood Boulevard and, you know, see the the Walk of Fame. And yeah. I had I remember seeing a long a long time ago seeing a documentary. I believe it was called. Confessions of a Superhero, which was about the people that dress up as movie characters uh, and, and, you know, hang out in front of the Chinese theater and take pictures with the tourists. And I remember it wasn't the most flattering documentary, meaning that it it looked like it was a pretty these guys and gals that did this. It was a pretty, pretty rough, rough life they had. But I still wanted to support and get a picture with some of them when I was there until I got up close and I was like, I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna take a picture from afar. So my question is, were the the movie characters back out in front of the Chinese theater when you were there? Not as much. It was more like street performers or magicians and things like that. Um, but I know what you're talking about that I've seen. Um, it's very similar to when you're on the Las Vegas Strip and like you'll have like Bumblebee just out there taking pictures with people if you want. Um, but it's like Bumblebee made out of styrofoam and it's dirty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, an, an, another thing that happened to me that say that same day when I was walking down Hollywood Boulevard, I was right in front of Jimmy Kimmel's theater where they do the Jimmy Kimmel show. And yeah. this, this guy comes up to, and by the way, I should preface this by saying that I was with a local, I was with a guy that actually lives there. A guy comes up to me and he goes, Hey man, you want a free CD? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm good. He's like, what? You're too good for my music. And he goes, I'm going to be on Jimmy Kimmel tomorrow night. And my buddy's like, don't take it. Don't take it. Yeah. And I went, uh, yeah. all right, man. And uh, 
And so I take the CD. He's and then he he turns around. And he goes, "You got to give me something for that." You know, I'm just giving you my music. You're just going to take it for free. And I'm like, oh, Lord, here we go. And so I, I, I reach into my pocket. And I think I pulled a five out. He's like, you got to do better than that. And I, I say, here's 10 bucks. And I said, you're going to be on Kimmel tomorrow. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm going to be on Kimmel tomorrow. I said, okay. I said, I said, well, check this out. I said, I do a podcast. I gave him one of my podcast cards. I said, when you're done with Kimmel, Kimmel, shoot me a, shoot me a message and we'll see about get you on, getting you on my show. He's like, all right, sounds good. I swear to God, a week later, he reached out to me. And oh, and he was like, and he, by the way, he was never being, he was never going to, he was never on Kimmel. He, he was, was on the sidewalk. He was on the sidewalk, but he reached out to me and he's like, hey, I'd really like to come on your show and help promote my music. And I was just like, well, we're good. We're good. <laughs> I had um, the weirdest experience I had on Hollywood Boulevard was it was one of those costume people. And I forgot who, I forgot who she was dressed as. It was it was a woman dressed as a male character, but she was wearing a mask, so I couldn't tell that it was a woman. And um, I forgot what hero it was. It was like one of the superheroes. It was like a Marvel character or a DC character. And it was busy. It was congested. I'm not the best with crowds, so like I was just – I just wanted to get through the group and like just kind of – and to the open sidewalk and stuff. So this, this person in costume, like – holds their arm up like they're making a fist and like they start walking towards me, but it's meant to be kind of like tongue in cheek, like silly. But for some reason, my roadhouse instinct came in <laughs> and I just swatted her arm like away. <laughs> and I, I did. It was like a Seagal like judo move where I was just like, I'm just like, I'm just swatting itch. I'm like, I got no time for this. Like, I just need to get through this group. And then I knew that it was a woman because after I did that, they, she just goes, hey, asshole. And I'm like, oh, no, that's a girl's voice. <laughs> you did your best Wade Garrett. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I, have, I have no patience for this shit. <laughs> One more thing that happened to me because where we parked, we were walking where we were walking down Hollywood Boulevard. Uh, the Chinese theater was on the right. And so, you know, the Kimmel Theater, the Al Capitan's on the left. And I, I, yeah. I meant I have no bearings of where I am. And so I wanted to get my girlfriend a couple, you know, little fun little souvenirs. For, so I go into I pop into this little tiny souvenir shop and I was like, yeah. man, I really <sighs> there's not much of a selection here. And so I grab a, you know, a little keychain, a coffee cup, a hat and stuff like that. I'm like, man, I really wish I could have, you know, I ended up spending like 60 bucks in this place. And, and I, I left and I was like, ah, oh, man, I was looking for a big, bigger selection. Walk to the next block and there's La La Land, like the giant yeah. souvenir place, like the, 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 you know, the, the Costco of Hollywood souvenirs. And I was just like, ah, oh, you gotta be kidding me. How did I miss this? <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I, but I love it. I loved my time there. Um, it's really fun. Yeah. 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 No, it's awesome. Now, what was Universal like? Um, so it was, it was pretty close to normal. I mean, it wasn't too busy when I was there. Um, I went like first thing in the morning and I knocked out most of the rides that I was on in the, the first couple hours. Um, I was there basically because I've been to LA maybe a half dozen times and I've never been to the water world stunt spectacular. And that's like all I had on my agenda that day. I'm just like, okay, the show's at noon. I'll just kill time. I went on like Jurassic world, which is like the redressed version of the Jurassic park river adventure ride and everything. Um, I went on the studio tour, et cetera, et cetera. 
The funniest thing was, um, you know, you know that song "See You Again" from Furious Seven. Yeah, yeah. So when you're, li- so I have this weird thing where, like, anytime I hear that song, I get choked up. Like, even out of context, like I just get choked up. And as I was leaving the park, over the loudspeaker, it plays "See You Again" just on a loop because it's like, oh, we'll see you again. And I was just like, I think I'm the first person ever to get choked up like leaving Universal Studios. <laughs> who's not like a child? <laughs> uh, let me ask you this: when you yeah. go, when you go on the studio tour, did you have to endure yeah. another Fast and Furious ride? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because I know you did, least, you did it in Orlando. I will say this though: at least on in the in California, they they put the crap rides like as part of the studio tour. So like you don't have to wait in a separate line to go on like Fast and Furious Supercharged or Kong Skull Island and stuff like that. It's just part of the tram tour. And then you also get like Earthquake and you get Jaws, which by the way, okay, like. I feel like it's it's like a slap in the face, like how bad the Jaws thing is on the studio tour. When like if they cared at all, they could make such a kick-ass ride out of Jaws. And they should totally just like whoever came up with the Fast and Furious ride, they should have like told that person, no, your work is not done. Go back and fix all of this because it's terrible because it's like these two like super important properties for the studio and the rides that are representing them are, are just not up to snuff. It's really weird. I can't. I listen. I, I, I go on YouTube every once in a while and I, you know, I'll put in the Hollywood, stu- uh, universal Hollywood studio tour just cause I want to see the jaws ride. And I, yeah. I do it to punish myself. I'm like, no, yeah. this is bad. I mean, I did the Universal one in Florida, I mean, multiple, multiple times. And, you know, yeah. they, they had to demolish that to make room for Harry Potter, which, mm-hmm. you know, people ask me, why haven't you watched any of the Harry Potter movies? And I'm, I'm just like, I have my reasons. <laughs> just leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, 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 I'm just weird. We're like. When I see the Jaws thing where, like, it pops out of the water and everything, I kind of, like, everything in me just wants to jump in the water and just, like, tussle with the shark. (laughs) Where I'm just like, I'm going to get my thrill out of this. Like, (laughs) fuck that shark. (laughs) Not like that I want to fuck that shark, but I mean, like, I want to fight that shark. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, So... When you were out there, you saw, like I said, you saw The Conjuring 3. Uh, I believe you saw Cruella, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. Yeah, uh, you seem yeah to I saw have, that. You seem to have a uh, an interesting take on that film, and we'll get to that. But let's yeah. let's just begin by, by I'll just ask you, Adam, you know, uh, since we last talked in March, you know, there's been a lot of movies released. Have there are there any that have sort of caught your eye and you'd like to talk about today? Uh, sure, yeah. So I guess the big ones that like I would recommend the most are among my favorite movies this year would be uh, Wrath of Man, which is the new Jason Statham Guy Ritchie movie, which really took me by surprise because I was expecting it to be just like The Gentleman or like Snatch or Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. But it's really not. It's like a total departure for Guy Ritchie from what he usually does. And it's this um, this just bare knuckled, like gritty action movie. There's like so much just like shooting in it and everything. And it's basically a, a revenge movie mixed with like a heist movie. 
um, about armored truck drivers and the supporting cast in it is great. Um, it's just really exciting and, uh, it's now on VOD so you can rent it or buy it. I I think you could buy it actually only. And then it comes out for rental later in July, but I would totally recommend that movie. It's probably my favorite, um, or second favorite movie of the whole year so far. Okay. So, uh, throughout this conversation, I'm going to ask you, um, when did theaters open up in your area? Um, they've been open off and on since probably about February. And then like ever since like Godzilla versus Kong, they've just been open. Okay. So with each movie you recommend, I'll ask you, unless it's obvious that it was just a VOD or a streaming. Yeah. Did you see Wrath of Man in the theater? I did. Yeah. Okay. And how was the theater experience? It was really cool because I saw it opening weekends. It was in like the Dolby Theater and th- that movie's just like the sound design on it with all the action scenes is, is great. So and I'm, I'm asking because this, you know, this is not this is so is this like a, a stripped down version of a guy, Guy Ritchie? I mean, it sounds really intriguing and I know the movie you're talking about. I just haven't had an opportunity to watch it. But when you th- when I think of Guy Ritchie, I think of two things. I think mm. of. Uh, you know, the Sherlock movies, and then I think of his crime movies. I mean, I know somewhere in the middle they're swept away, which I've never seen. But, you know, so yeah. where does Wrath of Man fall as far as spectacle goes? It's different. It's not anything like Sherlock. It's got none of that, like, fast cut editing or, like, sort of, you know, the Sherlock Holmes boxing type of stuff. And it's not real funny either. Like there's some, the the most jokey stuff kind of comes in the the first like 20 minutes of the movie. But then when it gets down to business, it really kind of does though. The way that I would describe it more is because it's told in like chapter form, sort of like a Tarantino movie. It reminded me a lot of like a kill bill movie or, um, also, uh, it, it kind of has like a den of thieves type of feel. It's where it's, just like really macho kind of gritty guys action movie. So when you say Den of Thieves, I immediately think of Heat. So yes. is this guy Richie doing his Heat? It's not quite Heat in the sense that it's like a, one main cop versus one main robber or anything like that. But like in tone, I would say it's closer to Heat than anything he's done. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to watching that. So what do you have yep. next on your list? Um, well, I mentioned it already, so I might as well continue. But uh, I did see Godzilla versus Kong, and I saw that on HBO Max. And then that was also my first movie back in the theaters to see because I saw it at home. But I was like, you know, this is good here, but like I kind of want to watch it in a theater also. So the second time I watched it, I went back to to see it in, on the big screen. And I liked it. I, I'm not a big fan of most of the current monster verse movies like with that started with godzilla and i believe 2014 the gareth edwards one and then i haven't been a fan of like godzilla king of the monsters and kong skull island was okay um but i thought this was the best one all the human stuff is kind of you know lame but you sort of expect that from these type of movies but i thought like the second half of the movie especially when they have like a lot of the fights 
um, in, in China and everything like that were really cool. And, um, yeah, I ended up enjoying it. It's a really, as far as the spectacle blockbuster movies go, I think it's among the best ones this year so far. Okay. I I actually did see this one and I I'm like you, like I remember going into Gareth Edwards, Godzilla, like super pumped for this film. The, the marketing campaign for that movie was was out of this world. And I remember I had to go, I saw that in IMAX and, and I was, you know, I won't say I was utterly disappointed because I thought it was a decent film. Um, I, I, I certainly realized that at least in my opinion, that Gareth Edwards was trying to do the Spielberg approach of not showing the shark until the final act of the movie, which I think that was yeah. not the right approach. And I think that's one of the more common complaints about that first Godzilla is where the hell's Godzilla. And right. with King of the Monsters and certainly with Godzilla versus Kong, you know, you get that. You get that. I, I found like, you know, you said the, the, the stuff with the human characters is kind of, kind of lame and I'll, I'll agree with you. I think they're just trying to get a little too convoluted on on the entire reason why we're we're paying our money to see these two fight. And we get that. Don't get me wrong. We get that. Yeah. I mean, it was for me, it was I saw it once and uh I use the old adage, you know, if I was flipping through cable and it was on, I might watch 10 minutes of it, but I don't have cable anymore. So I'm not sure when I'll see it again, but yeah, uh, yeah it was, it was, it was fine. It was good. So yeah. The one thing that bugged me was with the human characters, it was so centric on like conspiracy theory podcasts. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I would never listen to that. Yeah. So can we please move past this? <laughs> And I just, I just kept asking myself, like, as someone who does a podcast, I was really concerned about sort of the audio quality of that podcast. I'm like, you're not really in the right room to be recording a lot of this stuff. Uh, it's gonna be really hard for your listeners to understand what's going on. And, th- you know, yeah. so that takes me out of the movie as well. I'm like, I don't think that's gonna work out for you. And then I'm, I'm like, what podcast hosting service does he use? Does he use Lipsyn? I mean, SoundCloud? <laughs> I mean, these, these thoughts go through my mind whenever I see podcasting in movies, which is still a relative new uh medium that that movies very rarely explore there was a couple there there was like a minute stretch in that movie towards the end that where the podcasters made me laugh like pretty hard because there's like two jokes right in a row where one kid is trying to shut down like this the mystery bad guy that i I won't reveal but um that they fight near the end of the movie and they're trying to do this like using, you know, like technology. So he's like, I got to figure out like this HTML code. And then the podcaster guy's like, where'd you learn this? And he's like, at, he's like at tech camp. And he's like, was it a 90s camp? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. And then they they took down, you know, this thing by just pouring alcohol on the switchboard. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. I, I'm so sick of like in a Fast and Furious movie where it's like we need to shut down the God's Eye device. I'm like, just pour some booze on it, and make the keyboard cry. <laughs> oh, fuck, I love it! I love it. All right, perfect, perfect. So what? What's next? I, there's a well. It's sort of a movie. I guess it's a movie. It's not like feature length, but it's like 50 minutes. It's on Shutter, and it's like the long lost George A. Romero movie. And it's called uh, The Amusement Park. And I thought that was really good. I actually saw that when I was out in L.A. um, at an Alamo draft house. But you can watch it on Shudder. It was originally shot in 1973. This was like right around the time George A. Romero had done Night of the Living Dead. And I think he did Martin at this point. But he had not done like Dawn of the Dead yet. 
And it's um, a movie that he took just kind of as a gig where it was meant to um, make you empathize more with how the elderly are mistreated um, in many cases. And it was like sponsored through, I think, like a Lutheran church. And he shoots this movie and it's like this total nightmare scenario of this old man going to an amusement park and then just like having the worst day of his life. And um, he submits it. And then they're just like, what is this? This is way too scary. Like, we can't show this to people. And then it just sat on a shelf since 1973. And then um, once he passed away, um, the the uh, foundation behind George A. Romero and like this this restoration company got together, fixed the movie up. Um, it was like a really kind of mishandled negative, but then they restored it and they're just releasing it in theaters. And I thought it was like as a fan of his work, it's really, really cool and way better than I expected it to be. I kind of thought it was just going to be, you know, just kind of like a, an okay educational type film, more a curiosity. But this is like maybe if you want to equate it to like an extended Tales from the Crypt episode, it's like that, but it's really, really good. That's interesting. I, I've been seeing a lot of buzz about that particular film, and I've been looking for an excuse to restart my Shutter account. And yeah. uh, I definitely, I, I've heard you and you, you've talked, you and Patrick talk about it on the show. And it, that's one of those ones that's really got my curiosity peaked. And I'm hesitant to ask you any questions about it because I have a few swirling around in my head right now, but I think mm -hmm. I'd rather just watch it and have the questions answered for me. Cause I know very little about the film other than just the way you described it and, and describing it sort of as an extended tales from the crypt, uh, that's that's that sounds really awesome. And I may try to sneak that in today before I watch Jaws. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be a good uh kind of kickoff before Jaws to kind of set the mood cuz it has like a very dread type of tone, so so it's, it it would pair well with that. I don't think I've ever asked you this and I I I'm sorry for the listeners if I go a little off topic here, but um I would be just really curious to hear your thoughts on I think we can all universally agree that Night of the Living Dead is a fantastic film, especially when you look at, you know, the the resources or what little resources they had to put that film together. And, and mm -hmm. it was, you know, shot in 68. And that was a tumultuous time for the country. But I've never really heard your thoughts. Or if you have, I, I'm sorry, I don't recall. If you could just give me your, you know, 30 seconds apiece thoughts on Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead and Land of the Dead. Uh, Dawn of the Dead is a masterpiece. Um, I think it's just such a such a cool concept for a movie um, just because who, who hasn't ever thought before, like, you know, what would I do if I was shut in a mall, <laughs> like with a group of people or like friends or myself or something. And then just adding the zombie element on top of it. It was, it's just kind of like, you know, such a balls out horror movie. So I really like that one day of the dead. I've never warmed up to, um, I keep trying but it's just not my movie because I'm less interested in um, military stuff. And that one's very much like, you know, this group of, you know, disgruntled, you know, soldiers and everything like that. And it's all underground and, and whatnot. So that one I'm not as big of a fan of Land of the Dead. I only saw once, 
but I remember liking it more than most people did. Although I remember there being some kind of like wonky CGI in yeah. it too, um, which I wasn't a huge fan of. Cause as, as uh, we went into the two thousands more and more George Romero kind of, you know, you could tell he didn't really have a handle on, on the new forms of filmmaking as much as, some of his contemporaries. So like that, um, you know, diary of the dead survival of the dead kind of had diminishing returns, but I thought land of the dead for like, you know, universal put some money into it. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to, of course, second what you said regarding dawn of the dead, I watched day of the dead. I want to say about a month ago, and it probably had been 10 years since I've, I've seen it. I have warmed up to that film. And I think it's a very stripped down movie uh, when you look at sort of the scale of Dawn of the Dead. And I found it to be somewhat accurate in how, or at least a, a perceived accuracy in the sense of how these characters in this film are at their absolute breaking point. And it's, I thought that was very realistic about how they're all, literally some of them are just losing their mind. And I thought that was really, really <laughs> interesting. I saw Land of the Dead in the theater and I think I saw it a second time, uh, maybe a few years after that. And I remember the, the first thought that came to my mind was, is this the same universe as what happened in Day of the Dead? Because Day of the Dead really gives you the illusion that they're it. Like, they're the last of the survivors on the planet. And Land of the Dead has, you know, a commerce and high-rise and electricity and restaurants and and I, I remember the first time seeing it, that was, I was really taken back by that. And I've grown to really like the movie after seeing it mm -hmm. a couple times. I'll agree with you. The CGI is a, a little wonky, as, yeah, as, you, as you put it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you kind of piqued my interest to rewatch some of those, like maybe in October when we get closer to Halloween. Because I, I, the good thing is for especially Day of the Dead and Land of the Dead, I haven't seen them more than, you know, once or twice. So. And, and I'm bringing this uh, bringing this up because I want to sort of segue. I know you've probably got this on your list, but I think this is a perfect way to segue into. We'll just carry this conversation a little bit for, forward. I'll ask you about 2004's Zack Snyder's directed Dawn of the Dead, which I think is outstanding. And yeah. then please segue into Army of the Dead, which I'll be happy to share my thoughts as well because I did see that film. So your thoughts on oh. Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, um, I, I'm a big fan of it. I saw Dawn of the Dead um, when it was first out in theaters. And I remember, uh, you know, obviously like Zack Snyder, that was his first movie out of the gate. So like it, that part of it didn't really mean anything to me. But um, what did mean something to me at the time was it was around the time when all those horror remakes of classic 70s movies and 80s movies were happening. And I thought this by far was the best because he sort of took out and I'm not saying this is like, you know, I'm glad that he did it. It was just a choice that I thought worked, which he, he took out primarily all the social commentary and just made it like a really scary horror movie. And, um, I haven't revisited that movie too many times. Cause if you're going to watch Dawn of the dead, I always just kind of go for the original, but, um, I thought he did a really good job of it. And for the longest time, um, it was my favorite Zack Snyder movie, and I think it might still be my favorite Zack Snyder movie. Um, as far as Army of the Dead is concerned, I might like that movie more than 
99% of the people, other people that I've talked to, I, I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's as good as Dawn of the Dead or, um, you know, some of his other stuff. Like, I, I don't even think it's as good as, you know, Justice League, his, his version of Justice League that came out in March. But, um, I, 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 re- I thought it was pretty enjoyable. And, um, I thought the stuff that they did with, kind of this zombie kingdom that sort of has a hierarchy was interesting. I didn't recognize until after the fact how much it lifts from aliens, from plot details and character kind of proxies. Um, I saw that in like a video on YouTube a little while after, and I was just like, wow, yeah, they really did steal wholesale from aliens. But in the experience, it didn't bother me. I lucked out and saw in a theater because they had it playing in theaters for a week before it came out on uh, Netflix. And then when it came out on Netflix, I was surprised how people really didn't seem to like it. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. It's not, um, you know, a great zombie movie, but I thought of compared to a lot of the other 2021 releases, it was, it was entertaining and held up. I, uh, that, okay. So first thing, first point I want to make is, uh, I wish I could have seen this in the theater. I think this is a movie that Zack Snyder's films, I, I think they're really meant to be seen on the biggest screen possible. And I, I really feel like that was one of them. Um, I didn't pick up on the aliens comparison, alien comparison, uh, until my friend in, in Ireland, Eamon pointed it out to me. And as soon as he pointed it out to me, we were, we were texting back and forth. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, but yeah. In, in real time, I didn't pick up on that. I will say this. I like when it's a zombie movie, the Zack Snyder. I like when he does R rated movies, you know, because there's, there's no holds barred. It goes, it goes for it. And I appreciate that. My, um, my main issue with the movie, and I think this will ring true for a lot of people is it was just too damn long. And there were swaths of it that I thought just could be cut out. But I guess when you're making a movie for Netflix, you know, they're not concerned about the the length of the movie because it's not how many showings can you get in a single day in a theater. I mean, look at the yeah. same thing with Scorsese with The Irishman. If he was making that for a theatrical release, I guarantee you they would have been like, you need to trim an hour off this thing. So I, I thought it was for a horror movie, horror action movie, I thought it was probably at least 45 minutes longer than it needed to be. I thought it ended twice and I didn't need the second ending because the second ending just set up like we're going to do a sequel of this on Netflix in two years. And I I could do without that. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, like it definitely has some pacing issues, I think, especially in the first half. Yeah. Dave Batista as a leading man. What are your thoughts? I'm a fan of his. Um, I think he's got a lot of range. He can you can put him in, you know, comedic roles like with Drax or He's really good in action parts and being kind of a, uh, you know, a sympathetic lead. Um, so I'm a, I'm a fan of his. And also, um, you know, I feel like I whenever I get the opportunity to, I kind of put down the rock, which I don't mean to. But it just it comes out of me. I don't know what to say. But um, if I'm comparing wrestlers turned actors, I would say I appreciate that Dave Bautista is usually in movies that are trying to that are trying <laughs> whereas whereas a lot of movies with some of his contemporaries like Dwayne Johnson I, I I think it's more I think back to the quote from White Men Can't Jump where it's like you would rather look good than lose than look bad and win <laughs> let me tell you listen you 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 so let me just tell you 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 so perfectly invoked 
one of the worst memories of my life, and that was I had uh, my 40th birthday. Yes. No, no, no. But you'll appreciate it. You, listen, you'll okay. appreciate it. You'll appreciate this, I All promise. Right. All right. My 40th birthday party. I'm turning 40. It's a big deal. I've got a huge party planned. Through a series of events that were out of my control, I had to cancel my party the day of. And mm. I was so upset because I'm not a big birthday guy. I work on my birthday every year. I'm not somebody who's like, oh, I got to have my birthday off. That's not me. Like, I'm, you know, you're, I'm in my 40s. It's, I'll acknowledge when it's my birthday and, and I appreciate, you know, when people say happy birthday and I try to extend that courtesy to everyone else, but I don't like have a birthday weekend or dare I say a birthday month. But 40 is a big anniversary, I think. I think that's a big deal. So I had this huge birthday party planned and then it all just completely fell out. And I was so disappointed and I was, I, I, I had to do something, something to take my mind off of the fact that I just had to call all these people and say, you know, the venue, we're not going to be able to do this. It's, it's done. And, you know, I'm sorry. So I went to the movies. I went to my comfort place. I went to the one place I knew that I could probably just enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. And I bought a ticket for Rampage and it was <laughs> the worst birthday of my life. I just want to leave it at yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's not a it's not a good birthday. Yeah, The Rock wasn't really swinging for more than a single on that one, no. was he? <laughs> I just remember, I remember sitting in this empty movie theater, feeling like Clarence in the beginning of True Romance, like just sitting there, like this is the worst. This is the worst. Yeah. So like last night, I was rewatching Terminator Two because it it was celebrating its thirtieth anniversary, and I was on Twitter and stuff, and I was like, you know what, I haven't seen T Two in a really long time, so I started watching that again, and um, I didn't finish it, but I kept thinking like just even in the first hour before like any of the huge action sequences, really, I'm just like, man, I so miss when. A director like James Cameron was just like, you know, this is the 4th of July movie of this year. I want to knock your your socks off. Like, I want to blow you back to the through the back of the theater. Like, um, but now it's just like, hey, Rampage. <laughs> it's my fault. It's my fault I'll for buying a ticket. It's like, I'll barely try. I'll it's like, thanks, Dwayne Johnson, for barely trying. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember I'm watching. It. Listen, I don't want to go to my give my review of Rampage, but I just yeah. like and obviously I wasn't in the right mood to watch the film. But even oh, yeah. even even under those circumstances, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? And I don't know how yeah. the movie ended. I left. I went to Steak and Shake. So <laughs> it's a sad birthday. <laughs> and then yeah, I'll let you know how my 40th goes next year. I'm expecting it to be just as bad. So. <laughs> and then and then last year. <laughs> I, I, I plan to have the birthday to end all birthdays. I'm going to make up – what is my 42nd birthday? And yeah. I'm going to make up for this. I'm going to – my friends, we're going to get together. We're going to do a road trip. We're going to go to the beach and then COVID. So yeah. my birthday's in April. And that was when we were in the mass sh sh uh, shutdown. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Well, let, let's get back to uh, pause, more well, positive things. There's always next April. There's always next April. I, I, I don't yeah. think there's there's – there's not really any Dwayne Johnson movies on our list right now, is there? Uh, no, I don't think so, because he's not in Fast 9, and um, Jungle Cruise hasn't come out That's yet, right. So. It hasn't. <laughs> yeah. All right, so what is next on your list? I So I saw uh, Luca, the new Pixar movie, on Disney+, Plus, which 
it's ridiculous that Pixar movies keep getting dumped on Disney Plus with like without even the upcharge. Like it's such a slap in the face, I think, to that studio what Disney's doing um, to Pixar right now. But like with Soul, I get it because it's like they needed a release, and it was during the pandemic and theaters weren't open. But like Luca is such like a beautifully animated movie, and what the hell is it competing against? Like Peter Rabbit two. <laughs> Like that movie would be making money if it was in theaters, but um, I thought it's it's not like you know top tier Pixar, but I thought it was like totally charming and like really fun, and it's the animation. It's like takes place in I believe the fifties because based on like some of the posters you see in the background and like the small town, it's like uh, an Italian poster for like Roman holiday, like animated and CGI and stuff. So I'm guessing this takes place in the 1950s. And I joked at the beginning, I joked before I saw the movie that Cruella was Disney's Joker and that Luca was Pixar's call me by your name. (laughs) (laughs) And there is something to that because it's like two, two guys just running around Italy. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that because they're children. But it's just like, you know, it's just a couple of guys like, you know, just enjoying Italy in the summer. And um, I but when you get down to like what the plot of Luca is, um, there's some, you know, stuff in it. Like, you know, they're trying to hide the fact that like they're it's the little mermaid thing, like they're fish. But then like when they come out on land, they take human form and stuff like that. But when they're on land, it's like. They're go they're they want to compete in a contest where it's a third swimming, a third um biking, and a third eating pasta. And I'm just like, I'm in. Like <laughs> this is the lowest stakes possible, but like I'm in. And then I was like talking to my to like kids in my family. I'm like, you know what? If the three of us like joined up for this, which would you do? Swimming, biking, or pasta? And they're just like, you would be eating pasta. And I'm like, what's that about? But yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, it was something you said about about the the, the the Pixar situation, like I agree with, you, like what are they doing? It, yeah, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But uh, I'm no. gonna, I I I, uh, I don't know. Did you yeah. see? Did you the see Peter Boss Rabbit? Baby is number two in the country right now. I know. You tell me Luca couldn't make that money. <laughs> and the Boss Baby's available on Peacock right now. Like yeah. they did, did they they didn't even give Luca a theatrical release, correct? No, it played one week at the El Capitan, and that was it. But so it was in one theater for one week, and so that's enough for it to qualify for best animated. I suppose, yeah. I, they keep changing the rules with Oscars, but yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Oh my goodness. All right. Uh, well, I guess I should ask you, and I don't want to go too dar- too far down this rabbit hole, but uh, did you watch the Oscars this year? Oh God. <laughs> Uh, that I, if I had any type of, you know, standard, I would say that was the last Oscars I ever watched. Cause it was a nightmare, Yeah. but I thought at the end it was so, they, they shot themselves in the foot so hard that it was kind of amazing where they had best picture being the third to last <laughs> award that they gave out just to set up Chadwick Boseman winning best actor, which, okay. It's obviously a tragedy. What happened with Chadwick Boseman, his performance in Ma Rainey's black bottom was terrific. He was a great actor, but you're also treating this like he's 
by by putting his award or what would have been his award last, you're treating it like this is the performance and this is the actor that's more important than anything else ever. Yeah. <laughs> like, because this is the first time that you're breaking the order up from like the last awards were, you know, actor, actress, director, picture. So you're you're basically saying like, no, Chadwick Boseman's legacy is more important than anything. And then you don't even give it to him. I know. <laughs> and then you don't even let Anthony Hopkins give a speech over Zoom, even though your dumb broadcast is in like a, a Morton Steakhouse. <laughs> so, the Academy Awards were held in April this year. And I was down. I was going down to Sarasota. Uh, to visit my mom and I booked a hotel based on uh, I use booking.com and I based uh, booked the hotel uh, to be within the the general vicinity of where she lived and based on everything I saw on this hotel it looked great but I, I made the terrible mistake of not review not reading the reviews I was just going by the pictures that the hotel provided for booking.com. So long story short, I knew within the first five minutes of being in the parking lot of this hotel that I had made a terrible mistake. I'm not going to get into the, uh, into the, you know, you know, everything wrong with the hotel, but the fact that somebody asked me for money as I was walking into the hotel lobby, I said, this is, this is not a good spot. I should probably not, I should probably consider going somewhere else, but it was Oscar Sunday and I was going to watch the Oscars. And I got into my room and it had a flat screen television. I said, all right, this is fine. And I turn on the TV and it's not on the right channel. And this particular remote was about the size of a Amazon Fire Stick remote and it didn't have a number key on it. It just had channel up and down. Mm -hmm. And when you would hit channel up, it would go from channel two to channel 27. I said, oh, well, that's oh. odd. And when I hit yeah. channel down, it went from channel 27 to channel 74. Okay. And I would go up and it would go from 74 to channel five. But there was no, there was, it was like pie. Okay. There was no actual, it, it was, it was completely random. And I spent an hour and a half trying to land on ABC or NBC, whichever channel it was on. And I, I, I just gave up. So I actually didn't get a chance to watch the Oscars that night because the TV in the hotel wouldn't allow me. This is, this well, is, if there was a year to miss it, this was the this year was to the miss year. it. <laughs> but I, but I remember waking up and of course reading some of the trades with my coffee and going, Ooh, this is not good. This, yeah. th this, this was a debacle. So, yeah. Uh, I, I, listen, I've said it for the longest time, ever since 98, ever since saving private Ryan lost to Shakespeare in love. I've, there's always been an asterisk next to the Oscars for me. It's like, yeah, I don't know. This is the end all be all of, you know, the best film of the year. And I realized that. Yeah. It, yeah, I'm the same way, especially with Best Picture. I, I like it more from the standpoint, and obviously, like, they've got bizarre rationale for picking what they pick, but I like it more as, like, the acting categories and the directing categories. It's like you kind of have, like, your guy or your girl, and it's just like, I'm going to root for them, and I want them to win. So it's sort of like homecoming votes right. <laughs> in high school. So that's that's the thing that I enjoy more or less about it. Um but yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of like Nomadland. So when I saw like they're saying that's like the best movie to represent everything for like 2020, I was just like, really? <laughs> like, 
Like it was a weak year, but like you could do better than Nomadland, I would think. So I don't know. I'm wondering, you know, they made films that were did not have a theatrical release eligible, which is understandable. Yeah. Know, I understand why they did that. The question now becomes do they stick to that? I mean, I, I, they say they're not going to, but you, you, there's going to be a have to. They, they kind of have to, right? Because dare I say the really, you know, quote unquote, Oscar worthy quality films aren't even really getting a theatrical release anymore. You know, the, they're, the, the original stories are really going to the, the streaming platforms. And yeah. And I think if they want it to be a representation of the, the industry, like these things coexist now, like just look at this weekend when, you know, in theaters, you've got the forever purge. You've got the boss, which is theaters only. Then you got like Summer of Soul and the Boss Baby 2, which are streaming and theaters. And then you've got the Tomorrow War, Fear Street, No Sudden Move. Like those are all streaming. So, I mean, like it's just on any given weekend, like it, it could be anywhere. It could be like hybrid. It could be theatrical or it could be at home. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So take me through Cruella. We talked at great length about this yeah. film, uh, the trailer. The last time you were on, I had not even watched the trailer, and I started watching it in real time while I was recording with you. And I was just I, – I, I, there were no words. Now, yeah. having said that, you have now seen the film. I have not. And yeah. you have had uh, – I, do I want to say an unusual reaction to the film? Or yeah. you certainly, uh, you know what? The floor is yours. Take take me through your first viewing of Cruella, and then please your your thoughts on the movie. Okay, so I'm not a fan of these Disney live action remakes or these origin stories of villains and things like that. Um, so in that corner, I was not excited about Cruella. When I heard that it was Emma Stone playing Cruella who I adore Emma Stone, I was like, okay, I'm interested in seeing Cruella. I saw the trailer for it. It looked like Disney's Joker. Yeah. And I was like, well, how are they going to pull this off? Because this is about a woman who murders puppies to wear them as coats. <laughs> so, like, what are we doing here? Because, like, you can't go super dark because it still has the Disney banner. This isn't, like, Touchstone Pictures Cruella. This isn't, like, Hulu Original Cruella. <laughs> this is... Disney's Cruella. So I'm like, well, what are they going to do? So I, I see this Joker trailer and I'm just like, they're not going to go super dark. Like it's going to be like Maleficent where it's like, they want us to sympathize with Cruella. And then I see the movie and that's basically what it is. They want you to sympathize with Cruella, you know, Dalmatians killed her mom. That's why she's mad at Dalmatians. <laughs> Like, um, she's a thief. Um, her name is Estella, but then she's got this lurking bad quality underneath her. And that's when Cruella comes out and stuff. So it's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. So like weep for poor Cruella. <laughs> um, and that's ridiculous and stupid. And it's like a horrible idea for a movie that's supposed to be PG 13 because you can't, honor the material if you're gonna make a movie about a woman who eventually kills puppies to make coats like that do you gotta you gotta stay true to that you have to make a movie about basically leatherface <laughs> in a like uh of fashion but 
they really tried to do like the devil wears Prada type of thing where like Cruella's bad, but she learned it from somebody worse. And Emma Thompson is like the bigger bad in the movie and everything. So we're rooting for Emma Stone and we're rooting against Emma Thompson. So, so why do I like this movie? (laughs) I like this movie because of a few reasons. One is it's just the performances in it are really fun. The second thing is I saw it at the El Capitan, which it was just like the second weekend at like noon on a Saturday. But let me tell you, if you're anywhere near Los Angeles or you're visiting Los Angeles, take in a movie at that theater because it feels like the closest that I've ever been to like a glitzy premiere of a movie. It's really incredible. That theater is like, you know, they have like back projections showing like the name of the movie on the curtains. They have costumes from the movie. It's really just like opulent and really cool. So like I was sort of taken in by that experience. The movie is so like montage heavy. You would swear you're watching Goodfellas, but it's about (laughs) Cruella. Like every three minutes, like two minutes of it is like a montage set to like four seventies, like punk songs. It's crazy. Um, so the energy of the movie is like really high. I just find it like this big, fascinating mess. Um, the movie kind of pulls its punches because they do this thing where like, you're just like, Oh man, that's a really kind of clever way that they set up. Like, they're having their cake and they're eating it too, where it's just like, this is still, you know, not gruesome, but like, you're just like, Oh, she did stuff to those puppies. But then they end up like pulling their punches in like the next scene where you're just like, God damn it. <laughs> like if you would have just gone with it, like this could have been a braver movie. So, but the thing is, okay. So I see the movie. I'm just like, well, that was a mess. All right. I'm going to go have lunch now. And then like every single day since I saw the movie, I think about Cruella where I'm just like, kind of feel like watching Cruella again. Have you? (laughs) And I just bought it on Disney (laughs) Premier Plus for $30. (laughs) So actually right before we were recording, I watched like 20 minutes of Cruella and I intend to finish watching it again. (laughs) But because like, because for like a month, this was what was happening, Dana. I was just like, I would go to a movie theater. I'd be like, okay, I'm here to see Fast 9 or I'm here to see the Sparks brothers or in the Heights or something like that. And I would get there like 20 minutes early and I'm like, well, I don't want to sit in the theater by myself. What theater's Cruella in? <laughs> and then I would watch like 15 minutes of Cruella. And then just every day I'm like looking at my AMC app. I'm like, kind of feel like seeing Cruella. Today. <laughs> and then I didn't, I just have seen it the one time. But then today, finally, I was just like, fuck it. You need Cruella on demand whenever you want it. You need it at four in the morning, you need it at seven <laughs> in the morning. Like if you're if you if you're depressed, if you just got back from a jog, if you just got back from the <laughs> personal trainer, like you might you might need some Cruella. So like I just was like, OK, I need to make sure that I have it whenever I need it. So I bought it on Premiere Plus. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Hang on a second. Let me take a drink. Hold on. <laughs> all right. Okay. So let me ask you this, keeping it spoiler yeah. free, yeah. because um, how can I not watch the movie now after listening to you? <laughs> like I'm clearly, clearly, uh, I might. I, I mean, of course, I have to watch Jaws because that's tradition. I don't break tradition, but 
I'm going to have to try to find a way to get some Cruella in my life this evening. So the thing is, all right, if I'm judging movies out of four stars, this is at best two and a half stars. But this movie's like burrowed itself inside my soul (laughs) and like it will be in my top 10 list probably. (laughs) All right. I question for you, a spoiler free question. But based on what you saw with this movie, yeah, would you say that it's it's evident and clear that this is going to be a sequel, or do you there's going to be a sequel, or do you think that even more ambitiously, Disney is beginning to set up its own extended universe a la Marvel? I do not think that they'll have an extended universe, but um, I heard that they've already greenlit a sequel, but it would be going straight to Disney Plus. Okay. All right. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So what I'd like to do, because I want to spend a little time talking about one movie in particular, one that you just saw recently. So go through the rest of your list. Just uh, just I don't want to say rapid fire, but just sort of the rest of your list and, and, and you know, highlights, recommend, no recommend, and then go through your list. OK, um, so I'll be brief on these. Um, there's a movie called Boogie, which is about. Uh, a basketball player in New York and it's the most ludicrous movie I've seen all year and I kind of love it so I would recommend people watch that it's like there's scenes in the movie where like Boogie says to a girl he's like man you got a good looking vagina or like I'm worried that my dick looks like trash like these are lines in the movie (laughs) Um, or there's like scenes where like he's in high school so they're teaching Catcher in the Rye, and he's just like, he's like, Holden Caulfield's got nothing on me. My life is harder than Holden Caulfield's. <laughs> it's stuff like that. Like, you need to witness Boogie. Okay. So I would recommend that. Um, I saw a movie uh, called um, Shiva Baby, which is like a really funny black comedy. Um, it's very, uh, like a lot of Jewish humor. All the characters are at like a Shiva um as a as a jewish man i found a lot of fun kind of inside jokes in that movie but i i think it's really good and it's also short it's like 75 minutes um so i would i would recommend that if you're looking for kind of like a dark comedy i saw quiet place part two which i thought was probably just as good as the first one but i wasn't like a super fan of the first one. I just thought that it was good, but I think especially the opening sequence of a quiet place part two is pretty terrific. Um, so I would see it just for that. Um, so that was, that was pretty decent. The new conjuring movie is not that good. And I say this as somebody who's liked a lot of the conjuring universe movies, especially the first two conjurings. Uh, I thought in the Heights was fine. It's if it wasn't so like aggressively marketed as being like, the best movie of the year. I probably would like it even more, but I felt so like waterboarded by it by the time it came out (laughs) that when I watched it, I was just like, all right, in the Heights, what do you got? And then they show me and I'm just like, all right, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. The last movie I'd like for you to talk about, and then I want to talk about uh, two movies that I recently watched that I can't get out of my head. But we've gotten to the ninth Fast and Furious movie, and I have to apologize. I had intended on seeing this in the theater prior to us recording, but I was not able to. And I'm not sure that I've actually missed anything, but I'm curious, 
as you are the Fast and Furious expert that I bring on this show, and yeah. I know how much the, the, the franchise means to you, and I also know how you feel or how you felt about F8, Hobbs and Shaw. So tell me this. Where does F9 rank amongst the Fast and Furious movies for you? So every time a Fast and Furious movie comes out, I rewatch all of them. Um, and my rankings change sometimes. So going into Fast 9 was no different. I did all that again. Um, I would say Fast 9 is more in the camp of the worst of the series than it is the best of the series. That's not to say that I didn't like the movie. I thought it was entertaining. I think the action sequences are really exciting and well done, even though even though they're, you know, just bonkers and logic is completely out the window at this point. Um, so I think it's better than F8. I think it's better than Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, it's definitely better than the Universal Studios ride, <laughs> which is, I think the complete bottom of this 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 property. Um but my issue with the movie is that it, in the moment when I'm watching it, it's fine. Like I'm enjoying it. It's entertaining. But then when I walk away from it and give it any thought, I'm just thinking about all the stuff that's nagging at me that I wish that they would change. Because I think they're they're at the point where there's more stuff wrong with the franchise than there is right with the franchise. And it's completely unidentified un unrecognizable from like where it started to where it is now so like right now it's very much a spy franchise and it's very much like technology heavy like with hackers and uh secret missions and things like that and i'm just not interested in all that i miss when it was just about you know precision drivers who stole stuff who stole dvd players who stole safes from banks who were like trying to be covert agents by like going undercover into cartels stuff like that like i miss that stuff um and this franchise just has no space for that anymore which is a real shame and i have kind of a theory of how to fix the franchise but i don't think that they can because i think there's so much in the direction of like bigger 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 but my but when I was rewatching the movies in the fourth movie, um, Jordana Brewster and Paul Walker are having a conversation and she says to him, you know, maybe you're not the good guy trying to pretend to be the bad guy. Maybe you're the bad guy trying to pretend to be the good guy. And I think that's the thing. That's like the core of the, the series that I think they're missing now, which is these guys are outlaws. These guys are bandits. Like these guys are criminals that are just really charismatic and we like them. And now they work for the government. Like they're just, they're at the behest of the government <laughs> where it's like, you got a mission, you guys go on it. You're on the clock. Yeah. And in the second, th there's two more movies left. And in these movies, I think like where it needs to end is them to be like, Hey, why are we always working for the government? Let's stop doing that <laughs> and let's be and let's be like anti-heroes again. So like let's fuck over let's fuck over like this, you know, DSS or whoever like is employing us 
or like Mr. Nobody or whatever. And like, they want us to track down Cypher played by Charlize Theron. It's like, let's like not do that. Yeah. Let's like, let them deal with that. And let's go steal another hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, well said. Very well said. What's interesting is I have this nagging feeling every day. Like I look at my watch and I say, do I have any is it time? time to watch Corolla? Well, well, well. Now that's that's going to be that's going to be rectified today. Yeah. But I I promise you, over the past you know four or five days, knowing that I was going to get an opportunity to talk to you, I was I was looking for that window of can I fit F nine in? Can I get this in? Do I have enough time yeah. in the day? I, I had Jim Hempel on not too long ago, and he's telling me that spoilers for the movie, but it's in the trailer that there's a scene where. Tyrese and Ludacris are in a Pontiac Fiero and they go to space. And I said to myself, I need to see that. Yeah. I, I have to see that. And it, it's, it's just, it's crazy. And I, I have not seen all of the Fast and Furious movies. And I want to mention this to you. I listened to the podcast you and Patrick did for F this movie, talking about this movie. And it was funny because like when you got to that, all right, we're on to spoilers. I'm like, huh, I don't care. I'll probably still going to go see the movie. Spoilers mm-hmm. be- because it's hard for me to be spoiled because I, I don't know who Cypher is. I don't know who Mr. Nobody is. And when you guys were talking about them, I'm like, eh, it's okay. They're just characters in the movie. I'll, I really want to see the action set pieces. Having said that, I heard Patrick mention that he had watched Too Fast, Too Furious again. And he mm-hmm. had, he had his, his thoughts about the movie had really you know, changed in a more positive light. And so this morning... I watched Too Fast and Too Furious for the first time since I saw that in the theater back in 2003. Now, I've seen Fast Five, and I've seen the first Fast and Furious a few times. I really liked Too Fast, Too Furious. Like, I really, really enjoyed that movie because I think it was, I thought it was exponentially a better film than the first one. And that's saying a lot because I like Vin Diesel, and he's not in this movie. But I really enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed the pace of it. And I went back and I listened to the – do you listen to the Blank Check podcast? Uh, yeah, I haven't listened to any of the John Singleton episodes, but uh, I, I have listened to it. It's a good show. Yeah, they're excellent. And their one on Too Fast, Too Furious is, is really, really good. And I have got a really, really new appreciation for Too Fast and Too Furious. And, 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 and just bring listeners up to speed on your thoughts on that particular film. It's my second favorite of the franchise, which I know is kind of – uh, not a popular opinion. Um, I think Fast Five, which is kind of for most people their favorite, is like my third favorite after uh, after the original and Too Fast Too Furious. But that's what I like about it. Like I on not to repeat, you know, something I said on F this movie already, but like I like the franchise when these were movies that would play on like El Rey or Spike TV and stuff like that. Like I or FX. Like th- that's my. Like, I want the Limp biscuit pumping and stuff like that. I want that stuff. But over time, like, they've become these, like, dad movies, like, that would play on, like, the USA Network. And I'm just so less interested in that. And I think that um, Too Fast, Too Furious is just, like, this really silly buddy cop movie. And it takes place in Miami, which is just one of the most photogenic cities you could put on film. And it's just really fun. I mean, like you're there for goofy races and like, there's so many of them in that movie and Cole Hauser's the villain and he's like, he's awesome. So, I mean, I, I, I really enjoy it. I think that 
they kind of one of the things that's sort of a bummer about where the franchise has gone is they're sort of more brooding and pretending to be fun. Whereas like in too fast, too furious, it's just like all fun all the time. And it's like the cops are the scolds and like Paul Walker and Tyrese are just trying to like drive fast cars and hit on girls and like party and have a good time. And I miss that. Yeah. Because I mean, I, and I get it. It would look maybe kind of sad if like, you know, you're 40, 50 year old men and you're still doing that. But like at the same time, it's fun to watch it when they're like 20, 30 year old men doing that as opposed to like, we're 50 and we've got 10 years till retirement and we work for the government. <laughs> See, I have a theory that this is this, this fast saga, I guess that's what we're calling it now. I have a theory that this is phase one. Okay. And that mm. after, uh, I think it was, it, were you talking about it? I've listened to a couple podcasts about Fast and Furious where, where the 10th movie is going to be split into two parts. Uh, that's something I heard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So I think when that is done mm. and we're, and, and, and that is completed and we'll probably have that wrapped up in the next two to three years, then we get Fast and Furious, the new generation or the next generation. And then it's going to be all new characters with ties, loose ties. Uh, it'll be little Brian and his crew. You know, I, yeah. th- I think I think this thing goes on in uh, indefinitely or until the box office no longer can sustain it. That's just that's my theory. Like, I think we're going to retire the characters we have now and then introduce mm-hmm. new ones. That's my thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, I think it, it'll be kind of similar to what they were doing with like Tokyo Drift when they thought the series was done, where they were just like they made it like a teen hot rod movie, basically from like the 50s, just updated. So I think like, yeah, that's something that I would. I would enjoy seeing. And then, you know, they'll pepper in like one of the series regulars and each in the movies and stuff like that. So you might have like Dom show up or Letty show up or something like that, where like Letty's just like, stop working on your car. Like I made couscous or something (laughs) like that. And that's like her only moment in the movie. And then little Brian is just like, but mom, she's like, yeah. Uh, just like I'm picturing little Brian with his buddies coming in the kitchen when he got to drink. Like, oh, uh, we got OJ, Soda, Sunny D. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, we got to go to Toretto's house. He's always got Sunny D. Yeah. <laughs> you can have any drink you want as long as it's Sunny D. That's what he tells, little Brian tells his 12-year-old friends. <laughs> I love it. So, I love it. So if I make the decision to go see uh, F9 this week, which – I, I probably will. We've got a tropical storm coming through and and that mm. might might mean I actually have a day or two off. Um, but it's just a tropical storm. So, of course, I'll go to the movies. That being said, I don't really want to watch F8. I tried. I got about 25, 30 minutes into the film and I was like, I, I just can't do it. But I want to watch some spectacle. So do I have to watch F8 to get into F9? No, not really. I mean, like all you really need to know is that um, in F8, Dom was fighting to get his son back that his son basically had been kidnapped and like in f9 he has his son you're good little brian got kidnapped in f8 uh he didn't know that little brian existed but then like his baby mama and little brian got kidnapped and then like that was the that was the blackmail that Charlize Theron had on Vin Diesel to have him go against family because she was like if you tell your family i'm gonna kill little brian 
And then he's just like, well, that can't happen. So then he pretended to be like secret bad guy in F8 for most of it. Oh, that's right. Because I got to the part where where The Rock says Dominic Toretto has gone rogue. And I was like, yeah. I was like, okay, we're done. Now, before we wrap things up, Adam, mm-hmm. I saw a movie two days ago that I had never seen before. And I s- just stumbled across the trailer and I, f- I feel like I remember you mentioning or talking about these movies maybe a year or two, three years ago. But I watched Paddington for the first time two days ago. Oh, cool. And I loved it. And I, yeah. had, I had a blast with that movie. And it's something about that damn bear that was just so charming. And I was like, should I jump into Paddington 2 or should I just take the enjoyment I had from the first one? Because I don't want it to be diminished. Is Paddington 2 worth watching? Paddington 2 is, if you want to see like pure joy, watch Paddington 2. Okay. Paddington 2, like Paddington is great. Paddington 2 makes Paddington look like F8. Oh, okay. Well, that is a ringing endorsement. Okay. I'm all in. Yeah. I am all in. And my girl, yeah. my girlfriend, she actually questioned me the other day. She goes, what is your obsession with this Paddington? You won't stop talking about it. I'm like, have you seen it? And I made her watch the trailer. Look at this. Look at this. Yeah. This is this is this might be the most charming thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. After I saw Paddington 2, I was just like, should I get a Paddington tattoo? But then I stopped. <laughs> I'm surprised more people don't talk about this, this these two movies. I can't wait to watch yeah, the second one. No, the, yeah, Paddington Two is is delightful. You you'll really like it, especially if you like the first one. Oh, for, it was just it was charming, and everybody. And you know what I liked about it? Everybody, the whole cast, they were all in on this one. No one was going. This is ridiculous. A talking bear. What the hell are we doing in this movie? The, every, yeah. the entire cast was all in, and I, I just yeah, thought Hugh Grant's the villain in the second one, and he's like totally in the spirit of the movie. It's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, perfect. All right, well, Adam. Before I before we wrap it up, uh, what's what what's on your radar coming up in the next couple weeks? I, mean, I know we got Black Widow coming out. Uh, that's something you're going to see in the theater, or are you going to Disney Premium Plus it? Or no, I'm always looking for excuses to go out, so I'll I'll see I'll see it in theaters. Um, I am not looking forward to Space Jam: A New Legacy because. I have, I'm the one guy who is just like, you know, it would be a better movie if they just played like a real basketball game and there was no shenanigans. <laughs> like if it was LeBron and the Looney Tunes and like, yeah, they just like, it's just a full regulation 48 minute game and we just see what happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and then. I want it. I'm curious about the movie old, the new M night Shyamalan movie. I hope it's good. I'm always rooting for that guy. Uh, jungle cruise. I'm back and forth on because it looks kind of pirates of the Caribbean ish, which I'm a fan of. I like Emily blunt, but it's got Dwayne Johnson in it. <laughs> <laughs> and then suicide squad. I'm interested in because Margot Robbie and James Gunn and everything, even though I hated the, david ayer suicide squad so so um and then did you see the preview for don't breathe 2 i haven't yet it's come across my recommended videos on youtube but i haven't had a chance to watch the trailer yet i think it's so weird because it's look it looks like they made the villain of don't breathe 
into like the hero of Don't Breathe 2 and it looks like Don't Breathe colon Last Blood. And I'm just like, what are we doing? <laughs> so they Terminator 2 the thing? They 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 made the the villain the hero? That's what it looks like. I mean, I could be wrong, but I saw somebody on Twitter write like, did did you see the first Don't Breathe? I did. I thought it was great. All right. So you know how he had like that gross thing with like the turkey baster? Yeah. <laughs> so somebody was just like, wait a minute. Remember he did that gross thing with the turkey baster? <laughs> now we have to root for him? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, good point. Uh, For me, most like. I, I, I'm uh, again, Top Gun is still the movie that I'm chomping at the bit to go see in, in the theater. Oh, yeah. Like that's still the one I can't wait to see the most. I did watch the new Soderbergh movie. Did you watch that yet? It's on HBO no, Max. It's on my list. How is it? Uh, it, it? You know, great, really good performances. It was a little, I'm going to keep it super spoiler free, uh, a little convoluted and hard to follow at parts, which I thought was a little odd for Soderbergh movies because they're usually like you always know what's going on. Of course, I'm, <laughs> I'm always stuck on the Oceans movies. Like it's, it's perfectly clear what's happening at all times. Even when you don't know what's happening, you're confident that it's going to be explained to you. And in this one, it, it's it's a little edgier, but it was good. It was definitely a good movie. Um, again, something I would have liked to have seen in the theater, you know, but this is HBO Max. So, yeah. but um, all right. Well, listen, Adam, if people would like to keep up with your work and follow you on social media, how can they do that? Um, so yeah, the, the best place to find my work is at fthismovie.com. That's the letter F this movie.com. I write usually one to two articles a week and then I'm on podcasts every once in a while, usually about once a month on average. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at risky Adam and I retweet all of my work there. So if you're looking for it all in one spot, um, between that and other podcast appearances and things like that. Um, you can find it there. Awesome. Well, thank you as always for being on my show. I always enjoy chatting with you and I am really looking forward to uh, catching up with you again soon, Adam. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks Dana. And my name is Dana Buckler and thank you so much for listening.